Conte, who is now in at Tottenham, back in English football today. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at Aestetka. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on TikTok. Tottenham Hotspur 5, Everton 0. Dare I say the most comprehensive victory of the season over a team that is truly garbage. Uh, And I didn't even realize how garbage they truly are until seeing that display today. But uh, we've got a, a a full pod after a weekend away. We we, we delayed this one uh, to Monday because Spurs played today, and that's the way it goes. We we talk Spurs uh, when 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 they play games. We'll start by throwing it out to the Todd Father himself at TC underscore Cacho on Twitter. Todd, what's going on, my friend? Guys, any day, any day that uh, you get to talk about a five nil victory, a comprehensive victory, as you put it, and I like that term, Andrew, because it truly was <clears throat> super comprehensive. Yeah. Super comprehensive is a good fucking day, guys. It's a good day in any day that Harry Kane bags a brace, and uh, any day that Kulu, uh, you know, tosses up uh, a few assists just for fun. Any day that Matt Doherty is the or Doherty or however we're calling it is the technically the player of the match for your side. Who also had two assists, right? I think that's a good day. I don't know. I think that's a good day. I think that's a good day indeed. <laughs> Dakota is at Dakota J Booth and he's with us on the pod as well. Dakota, what's going on, my friend? Yeah, good day. Todd, you left out that uh, my boy Sergio Reyon scored a goal today. And I knew he was going to do it early on because I texted him. I was like, hey, how are you feeling today? And he he hit me back. He said, oi, boy, I marcar un gol. Um, and he did. <laughs> he went out and he scored a goal today. So did I uh, did I leave it tip. out? Did I leave you it out, Dakota? Out, but I got you. Or, but I got you. Or did I? Okay, just make it sure. Yeah. Did he oh, leave did it out? Did you leave or, it out or did you team me up? It, yeah, he left it for you. It was the, it was it the alley to your oop, as they say. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Scott is also with us. He is at DSM Spurs. Scott, what's going on, my friend? Not only did Tottenham play, baby, but the league's back on, in my opinion. City's <laughs> dropping points recently to Tottenham Hotspur. Liverpool stumbling a little bit. League's on, baby, after that display. So come on, you fucking Spurs. And no one can see this, right? We're not on video, but Kane Forever is my name today because fucking Kane's back. And. <laughs> I am sorry, Kane, that I got mad at you this past summer. I finally have forgiven you 100% of the way there after your performance today. Don't do that shit again, baby. Let's go. Scott's, hey, by the uh, way. Scott's, Scott's politics are hard left, and so are his turns on Harry Kane. <laughs> uh, the way that he just just, just, just just a hard left turn after the summer. He's hey, back by on the way. Scott alley-oop is a basketball term. I don't know if you know what that would be living in Seattle. Whoa. You've seen Whoa. Games, but you know, oh my I, goodness. I practice. Shots I practice, fired. I practice my fandom in the city of Houston. All right. Um, oh. and that, well, to be fair, we also don't know if you know what basketball is coming from the city of Houston. Right? <laughs> we, I, you are about to see what basketball is for the next decade, bud. Out of the city of Houston. You just goodness like, me. 
look, D- Dakota, I'll do a drive by on the Houston Rockets, but don't do a drive by on the on our on our dearly beloved and deceased Seattle SuperSonics. That was that was tough. That was a harsh harsh outlook from you. There's some people, there's some people that you're gonna have pissed off with that comment. Yeah, yeah. shrimp will not take that, sir. We we just we just we just took a dip for our Seattle listenership just now. Goodness, although Oklahoma City they're probably shooting up. They're, 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 <laughs> so who knows? Not a basketball <laughs> pod. Not a basketball pod. Not a basketball pod. But I'll tell you what, we're gonna throw it out to another basketball city, San Antonio, where Caroline's with us. She is at CG Stefco. Caroline, what's going on? I'm delighted that I support the correct NBA team, the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, but no, I absolutely enjoyed the trouncing that we put on Everton today. I It was cleansing. I felt like all the negativity in the fan base just flowed away. And now we can be at peace, at least for five days. Caroline decided that her fandom was just going to be easier if all the teams she rooted for were called Spurs. So that, that makes sense to me. Um, <laughs> Actually, that makes it more confusing sometimes. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. You don't know which one you're talking about sometimes. Exactly. Uh, this, as I mentioned before, this was just just so damn comprehensive. That's the only word that keeps coming to mind for me, Todd. Um, what else can you say about a 5-0 against a team? I guess the place to start for me is and and I think there was a little bit of this going on in the group chat earlier today and and you know I just didn't realize how bad Everton actually are. I mean I we 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 saw them earlier in the year and and we got the we we were just talking about this a little while ago. Conte's first Premier League match in charge was the Everton match away and it was a nil-nil draw and a frustrating game and what felt like drop points. I mean, I know that we, you know, we're going to give a lot of credit to Spurs throughout this podcast for a comprehensive win as I said. But we've got to stop for a second and just say, holy shit, are Everton in a bad spot right now? Um, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> fair. That's very, it's very fair. It's probably the most disjointed that I've remembered seeing Everton in a long, long time. We've, we've dismantled them a couple of times. You think of that one uh, game where that Sonny had that audacious over, over Pickford flick with that tight angle. Um, and then Kane put on another clinic there, and I think uh, I think Erickson had a banger. Uh, you know, there, there's been a couple of times where we've we you know put the boots to them, and Harry Kane is no stranger to beating Jordan Pickford like a drum. Um, but they looked they looked wayward. It was very it was very tough. Um, I don't want to spend too much time talking about Everton because we are not an Everton apologist uh, podcast either. I do want to spend time talking about the movement, Andrew, that we had. Uh, and, and that's something that Eric Dyer spoke about after the game, that he said that really the things that they were working on and the things that he was most proud of from today were how well that we moved the ball from player to player and progressed across and up the field. You said it a little bit more eloquently than that, but you get the point. The movement is a uh, is a big thing under Conte, uh, and I think that we're starting to see guys that understand that movement come to the fore. Kulisevskis, Doherty's clearly, and then Sun and Kane doing Sun and Kane things. But I have to say, and I don't want to steal everyone's thunder here, Andrew, but you asked, having Bentacore back in the lineup, is the is the game changer? It's the difference. It is yeah. the difference between looking at at Hoybier and going, "Oh shit, seven point eight again." By the way, um, nice job, Pierre. 
Uh, instead of looking at him going, God dang it, why didn't you make up for how terrible Harry Winks was? <laughs> no, I, I think it's a fair point. And what's amazing about this performance, and, and we'll get into some of the specifics of it here in a minute, but Dakota, I actually thought, and in watching this match, especially in the first half, there were moments in the first half where Spurs actually kind of looked a little slow to some of the balls and they weren't, you know, there were a couple of opportunities that weren't executed on properly. Youngman's son had a couple of chances that he just kind of botched. Um, and it was like Spurs were playing well, but you could also see this, this pretty decent sized chunk of where their game to, could go to another level even. And the fact that they, I don't think were humming even on all cylinders today and crushed Everton five nil in a, in a premier league match. Like this is not, we're not talking about, this was not Pacos de Ferreira, you know, that, that the Spurs were playing today. This is still Everton, despite them being in relegation form. I think that's important to point out. Um, but I don't even think Spurs were really humming today and they still won five nil, right? Like that, that's, that's a, that's a really, that's an encouraging sign, at least for me. For sure. I think part of what I I saw today was a lot of calmness and I don't know if that kind of translates into what you're talking about, about being maybe kind of slow to some of those balls or maybe looking um, like you're not playing very hard, but especially the back line looked really just calm today. Yeah, And I think that plays into uh, this team getting really comfortable with what Conte is asking them to do. And um, hopefully that means that mistakes will be cut down when we're playing out from the back. You know, I'm thinking about um, Ben Davis kind of just chucking one to the middle of the of the pitch that led to a goal like that. That's the kind of mistake that'll be cut down when, when we play like we did today, when everyone's really confident and calm on the ball and maybe that'll come off as not playing hard or being a little slow to some of those balls, but the more comfortable they get, the harder they can play and still be calm and confident with the ball at their feet. And I'm really excited for that, that next jump up like you're talking about, because like you said, it's very obvious that it's there and it's going to be really, really fun to watch this team in, uh, in full flight. And uh, yeah, it's going to be awesome to do it against teams, not in probably playing in the championship next year. (laughs) Scott, I want to go to you and, 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 and carry on with Dakota's point there about the back line, because there were moments in this match today where Spurs playing it out of the back, looked almost like it could have gone the wrong way, but I never got to a point where even when they were booting the ball around between Larice and Dyer and Davis and even over to Romero and, and up to Bentoncourt and, and Hoybier in the midfield, I, I never really felt that under pressure from Everton. And I, I don't know if that's more about Everton because Everton have good players on their, you know, in their team and they have skilled offensive attacking players. Um, but I never really felt, as nervy as I normally do when Spurs are playing out of the back and kicking me around. And that goes to, you know, a part of this team that you're so keen on. And that's this, this trio of center backs that have been playing really well paired with the idea that Benton was back and able to provide that outlet for them. Yeah, man. I mean, having, having played CDM myself at a very, very low level in comparison to these guys. Right. But, um, albeit I'll tell you, 
definitively that if you're not playing your positioning correctly, your center backs will just be super pissed at you, right? Because it's extremely difficult to play well as a center back if your midfield is in shambles. And so I think a huge piece of what, you know, you're getting at and seeing is our midfield really starting to stabilize and is wing backs starting to understand their role and helping the, those center backs play out the back a little bit more effectively. And having also played center back at times, it really sucks when you have when you're just like shitting yourself and have no choice but to chuck the ball because there's like no shape around you, right? So all that's starting to come together really well, but the midfield's a huge part of that. And you know, to to build off Dakota Bentaker, in my opinion, was a huge piece of that today. I think he's really he's just very willing to to go into tight spaces and just command the ball, right? And give these guys an outlet that they maybe weren't always seeing with a guy like Wings, right? His confidence was shaky at best. Um, Bentaker is fearless. And it's, I think it's very common of a midfielder who is South American, but also spent time in Italy. Like you, you really see a lot of that and he just happens to be doing it really well too. But that bravery, I think it doesn't surprise me, you know, looking at his background and where he's been playing at soccer, but we needed somebody like that, and Conte saw that. And it's just another example of a really shrewd Karachi and Conte signing that they've, you know, been putting together for years now. But ultimately, I think if that if these wingbacks continue to play so well, and to draw it all back to the point here, the midfield continues to settle in, and, and Skip comes back, we're going to keep playing really good soccer. And today, yeah, everything was bad for sure, but we played well we're starting to figure it out. And if you look back at when Conte took over at Chelsea, it took him a little while, but by the end of that season, he was beating the shit out of teams and then went and won the league the next year. Right. So saying a lot of the same things he's saying to the press right now, like it's very synonymous with what we saw a couple of years ago. So I just think, you know, I'm not saying we're going to win the league next year and certainly not this year. I know I went on a rant at the beginning of the show, but, we won't win the league, but we're going to keep beating the shit out of teams like that, in my opinion, and build in the next season. So today is much bigger than a 5 0 win, in my opinion. And that's because of that midfield and Dakota's pointer, right? Caroline, uh, talk wing back to me because we got, I thought, two really good wing back, really three really good wing back performances today after Sessignon departed. Uh, and that's something that we'll get into. But Sessignon had the, the, the ball early on. That ends up being an own goal. Uh, he he could have had a could have had a goal himself even earlier than that when Sun was through and he was darting down the left and then Darty picks up two two assists and Reggion scores. I mean, the, I felt like the wingback performances today were just you know they were all over it, right? They were superb. Yeah, they it just seems like they know exactly what their role is at this point, and it it's kind of funny that we ended up seeing Reggion come in because, you know, I'd been thinking to myself that the starting wingbacks were locked in as Doherty and Sessignon. And I mean, I think they still would be the, the preferable pair, but Reggion proved that he still has a lot to offer when he does come in. I mean, he literally made a, an immediate impact with his goal, um, his first touch of the game. So I'm, I don't feel like we could be asking too much more of, of the wingbacks at this point. They're just doing great. Todd, I know that we're going to need rotation with the wingbacks, but is it is it crazy to to say that Darty and Sessignon are the 
the top choice guys right now. I mean, I, no. I think Emerson has been lost a little bit in the shuffle here because of of his performances, but um, those those seem like the guys. And obviously, we're gonna have to see on Sesnyan. He came out and and Conte says we're gonna have to see. It's a muscle injury once again, which really really sucks for a guy who's been playing so well. But um, it it's not it it, it seems far fetched if you go back three four weeks that that Cessnyan and Doherty would be the guys. But as of right now, those seem like the guys, right? I think you're right in terms of Darty. I think he's absolutely proven himself like, hey, I'm a right wing back. And guess what? We need a right wing back. So you know what? I'm 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 gonna go over here and play right wing back and we'll see how it goes. And guess what? It's gone pretty well. Um I've been pretty happy with Sessignon's performance. I thought after the ball that he had that was ruled in as an own goal. Um he was actually he got skinned a couple of times. Like he, he wasn't, he wasn't fantastic. Um, he, he had some, he did make up for it a little bit later before he got hurt. But um, I thought it was, it was noticeable to me that he was a step or two off the pace. So maybe he got hurt a little bit earlier and that's what was a result thereof. Um, but here's the thing, Andrew, you can't live with just two wingbacks. You need rotation. Like you have yeah. to have that. If you're going to play a wingback system, it requires you to be fresh and it requires you to be the fittest person on the field because, and like the most athletic and the most agile, because you're going up against the other teams, fittest, most athletic, most agile person, the majority of the time or players, the majority of the time. So you need to be able to counteract that. That's why having, Listen, to, to call Emerson Royale anything other than a defensive wingback um, is is not being truthful at this stage of the game because he's playing wingback, but he's technically a right back. So, I mean, we're doing what we can. It is what it is. God love you, Emerson. Cheers. Um, we need another right back. Uh, but to be fair, I think that the combination now with, honestly, I would say yes, Doherty, Sessignon, but... With Cess hurt, the best possible thing that could have happened was Reggie to put one in the back of the net. It was the yeah. best possible thing that could have happened. That guy can be lethal. He has ability to finish, but he's a confidence player, and he hasn't had very much confidence scoring in, in, in a Tottenham Hotspur kit. Especially, uh, you know, we're, we're the uh, Southampton, was it? Which which match did we buy? It might have been – no, it was – I think it was Southampton – where he had a guild edge chance and he and he flubbed it, and to 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 see him be able to produce offensively immediately bodes well for this wingback rotation, Andrew. Really big for him coming off of of a of a COVID bout as well to to come back in and get that confidence and and get his you know just dive right back in. Um, Dakota, I wanted to come to you on on Kulisevsky because. It, there's there's been a lot made of of his seamless transition. And it's funny to look back now at his his first appearance for Spurs that 20 minutes where he kind of looked a little bit off the pace and everybody lost their mind. Um, whereas he's just pretty much cemented himself now in the last I don't know what has it been month uh, as this team's right wing essentially, and he's just so much. And look for all the, the good things Lucas Mora has done for for Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, he is not Dayan Kulisevsky. Like Kulisevsky is so much smoother on the ball. Um, he, 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 sure, he doesn't have the pace that that Lucas does, but th there's there's a calmness well, when when Kulisevsky's on the ball, right? It's a physicality. 
it's a prowess like that that's same thing that you can't coach in lucas like we god love lucas like and we do we love lucas but this is the most physical league in the world for a reason right and Dayan Kulusevsky being as big as he is, Dakota, is built for this league. Totally. Also, Andrew, are you suggesting that we shouldn't uh, form conclusions on players after watching them play for 20 minutes on a debut? Only, well, no, not on a debut. I mean, I can form some conclusions based on, like, I, I could have watched Jordan Pickford for 20 minutes today. It's a, <laughs> don't want that guy in between my, my, uh, my goal, but... But but yeah, on for twenty minutes on a debut, yeah, maybe maybe we should just like let him play four or five games and then see. And and what I've seen has been pretty good. Man, nuance that's incredible. Uh, but My yeah, name. Todd <laughs> Todd pointed it out. Um, Dan just has this, I don't know, this glide about him. It, I think I've said this before, maybe on pod, maybe not, but he's De Bruyne esque. Where he just he looks like he'd be super goofy and not athletic at all, and then he just glides right by you and lay, lays in a perfect cross for for a goal. Um, also, I think he obviously he looks for a pass too. He's it, it's wild that we're talking about all of these things that this guy excels at. He's twenty one years old, like he's still has so much room to get even better, and that's the thing that everybody harps on Lucas about is Lucas gets the ball and just runs. And, uh, well, he's I a black hole of possession. Someone called Lucas the plate. Yeah. He, he's a, the place where possession goes to die is yes. what we call Lucas where, you know, with Kulisevsky, I think part of what people were getting frustrated about with him in those first 20 minutes that he came on on debut was he was not doing things with the ball, but we had a lead and we were trying to protect that lead by holding on to the ball. So we saw it today on, on a break, you know, he assisted Sonny's goal with a beautiful, just first time layoff. Um, I think that's a situation where Lucas tries to go around that defender himself and pop off a shot instead of just lay it off for Sonny. Um, yeah. I, I think Kulisevsky has as many, if not more goal contributions than Lucas this season. And he's played for us, you know, a handful of times. And you know, obviously, L Lucas is going to be the guy that comes in 75, 80 minutes in and runs at tired legs. And that's what we need Lucas to be. Yeah, 100%. that's his, that's his role. And, it, and it's incredible that Kulusevsky has been able to submit himself this early doing things this well. well um, that was really out of necessity for us. I agree with that part, but I think it was out of necessity, Caroline. Uh, I think that, you know, yeah. with Lucas being with Lucas being hurt. Um, it kind of gave Dayon the opportunity to really say, hey, listen, you know, you, you don't really have a whole lot going on behind you unless, you know, Stevie B wants to play the opposite side that he's most comfortable. Like, why don't you just go do your thing? We'll see how it goes. And eight matches, you know, all, you know, in all comps, six in the league and three assists and two goals. Like, not, not, not bad work. Um, the other thing is having Lucas come off the bench at 70 minutes or whatever, Caroline. I think that that is the type of lethal addition that we've been missing. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think Bergy kind of played that role today, though, uh, when he came on. You know, he he's not the same player as Lucas exactly, but I think he always brings a lot of energy whenever he's playing. Um, and he, he easily could have gotten a goal today. You know, I was disappointed that he didn't. 
but yeah, I totally agree. Um, just having, it's, it's a good thing that we have options now, basically. (laughs) Um, and, and I really have been impressed with Kulisevsky. He's, it's so exciting that he's such a young player and this is like, we don't even know what level he's going to get to eventually. That's really exciting. Yeah, I, I, I don't think there's any question. And, you know, it is nice to have options. It's, it'd be nice to have more options always, and we're always going to ask for more. But at this point, you know, Spurs still have guys that are coming back from injury and obviously with Reggion just coming back from COVID. And there's a lot of still moving parts for this team. And with it's kind of, we're kind of to the point of the season now, though, where it's, it's a sprint. It's a, it's a 12 game sprint to the finish. Um, Scott, where, where are we? Where do we stand? 12 games left running to the finish line. Yeah, man. I'm I'm kind of looking at this at the standings right now and I've been thinking about that, so I'm glad you asked, but I think you know, our games in hand and our form should see us pop past West Ham and Man United, right? This is all in theory. Um Arsenal is playing decent football. We do have to play them still. And and I say I should say they have to play us. I should rephrase that, right? Because I think we're the better team for sure. Um, but we do have a chance to take three points off of them there. And then I think there's a lot going on with Chelsea that I really don't want to get into, you know, for reasons I'm sure you guys will understand, but we'll just kind of leave it at that, right? And so I think if we if we set our sights on third place as a as a serious goal for this club and achieve that, it's a huge accomplishment, I think, for Conte. I think that gives this squad something to build off of. That gives a guy like Doherty and a guy like Sessignon some serious fucking confidence to take into next season and this summer when they're going to have to compete for minutes with probably a couple signings, right? That puts that puts uh, my boy Emerson in a situation where he maybe has to learn how to play right center back as a backup right or something like that, but... I'm okay with the depth there, um, and I'm not even joking when I say that, but it just allows this team to build and grow a little bit in some areas that we need to. Um, and it tells Conte that he can do this, right? And that's the kind of finish that you could actually go into the window and do some things and go push for the league next year because that's the only reason Conte is here. He's not here to fucking keep fighting for fourth place. Like, we all know that, right? So, um I say we put all our our eggs in the Premier League basket and just so happens we have to, right? Because we fucking played ourselves out of any other competition. So let's go get third place. And and like I said, if we do that, that's a serious accomplishment to build off of. And we need to build off of something this this summer. We have to. Well, I, I will say, you know, you said Conte is not here to just fight for fourth place and i agree with that from the long term but he did say after the match today that that you know getting fourth place would be like winning the league this season um yeah absolutely and but... and, at, and at this point where where they're at i mean you mentioned chelsea i don't have chelsea in, in in my sights i've got west ham united and the scum in my sights like that that's where i'm at those are the teams that are within reach and honestly the fact that you get to the fact that you get to play uh you know, all three of them still is a really big deal. Of course, the first of them come up uh, later this week. And then a, a week, la- you know, next weekend, uh, March 20th, 
you get West Ham. We'll we'll see when Arsenal decide that they've uh, you know had enough and and finally want to put us on the schedule. I know that that we're you know just waiting for them to 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 feel like playing us at this point. Um, but what we'll see when that happens. But yeah, well, and I, I think you're right, man. And I think I want to say for the record too, like you know my Chelsea comment. I I don't ever ever want to even remotely allude to me saying that, you know, we could benefit from what's happening at Chelsea. I would gladly sacrifice top four for, for that to stop happening. Right. All of that. No problem. No question. Drop of a hat. Right. Um, But I really do think that this club has an opportunity to do something special and it needs a target right now. Top four is a great target, but I think if we can set ourselves something a little bit more aggressive than just finishing top four and go and do it, that allows us to push on to something a little bit more special next year. It sounds so silly to say, you know, third would be so much more significant than fourth, but pipping Chelsea and doing that at a time when Conte came in halfway through the season with the club in total shambles, it would, it would be as significant as winning the league if he was here day one, in my opinion, right? Like it would be a real accomplishment. Um, so I think, we, you know, I'm just saying, let's go fucking do that. And, we need something to play for. And as fans, we need something to, to, to get behind right now too. I think. Yeah. Uh, want to clear out some of the notes that I took during this match, just to, just to get them on the record and, and see if anybody wants to, to chime on them. Cause as you guys know, I'm a, I'm a yellow legal pad type and, and jot down some things during the match. But um, I mentioned it earlier. I thought that uh, some of the chances that, that son had and didn't take were, you know, it's, it's nice that Spurs can win a match five nil, despite some of those chances going wayward at 10th minute, he he's, he just needs to look a little bit to his, his left and Sessegnon's right there and has a, you know, he could walk the ball into the net. Um, but I, the thing that I really loved was right after that for the first goal, the own goal. First of all, Ben Davis plays the weighted pass down to Sessegnon and, you know, Todd, you mentioned earlier about Sessegnon and how, you know, after that, he, he was kind of off of it a little bit. I agree with you to an extent. He he also, the fact that he was able to get to that weighted ball from Davis and and make the cross that he did. And I think part of what we're seeing with Sessegnon maybe being a little bit off the pace is actually, I think some of it can be chalked up to his recovery ability because he is able to get up the pitch and then get back and, and contribute. And he and he and Davis have this weird thing going on where they almost, you know, Davis has experience playing left back, obviously. Um, they almost interchange at times, which is kind of wild to see. And they really get up and attack, and they really get back and defend well together. And we're seeing a little bit of that on the other side with uh, with Kulisevsky, with really with Kulisevsky and, and Matt Doherty as well. Like we're yeah. seeing those two guys work really well in tandem together. And that was just something that I, um, that I really noticed today. And then the last thing was <laughs> Christian Romero. What are you doing, man? Like the reckless yellow card, some of that stuff. My favorite part about that, Andrew <laughs> is when he popped up and he goes, but I got the ball. He got the, ball, I got the and he, ball. And he got nowhere near the ball. <laughs> that was so I mean, late. It was you know, so late. Here's how you know that that Everton are really in deep, deep shit is when Richarlson gets taken down like that in that way and doesn't get up and immediately try and choke someone. Like I, I'm I'm used to a guy like Richarlson with that 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 Brazilian flair wanting to really go after someone after being taken out like that. And he just kind of got up and was like, 
yeah, that was a foul. I got fouled a ho-hum. And, and I was like, damn, if that kind of harsh, I mean, it was a fully earned yellow card. And if that kind of foul doesn't get Richarlison like up and amped, you can kind of tell that Everton might be in a little bit of deep shit right now. Uh, if, if that guy is not, you know, fighting after something like that happens, but in terms of Romero, look, I love this guy to death. I think he's a, we've used the term Rolls Royce defender numerous times when it comes to him, but that kind of shit is going to be costly at some point. We've, we've, we've said this, this is not, this is not breaking news. This is not something that, um, you know, is not, it was not the story on, on Christian Romero from the outset. He's aggressive and does these kinds of things. Sometimes hell, he got sent off in, in Conte's first match with him. Uh, the European match that's not good um but <laughs> you know it's like but but he's really good so like I don't know I don't know how to how to circle that square but um that was that was just like the perfect example of that wasn't needed yeah I, th- I think it's hard to love the attitude but then hate the action that comes from the attitude <laughs> so We've kind of just got to take it and roll with it and realize this is this is how this guy plays and this is gonna happen sometimes. And you know, at some point trust that he is gonna reel it in. And I think Conte is doing his bit on that. I say that because he pulled Romero today for Davinson Sanchez. Um some of that was due to the luxury of us being up by, I think we were up, yeah, we were up four goals at that point. So for sure, you can't, you can't do that. And it's less of a, of a risk, but I think Conte showing Romero, I'm not afraid to pull you. If you do dumb stuff like that and you are replaceable, even though you're really good <laughs> is, is important. Um, so yeah, I'm going to trust Conte to reel that in a little bit and kind of channel that energy but at the same time, I don't want Cootie to real to to feel like he has to play any other way than than himself. Dude, I mean, I'll, let me just jump in really quick on this too because I mean, it's tough to compare anyone to this guy that I'm about to bring up, right? But but Sergio Ramos and Dakota knows I'm going to go there. But 191 times the dude had this is before this season, right? He'd been booked 191 times in his career. 20 red cards leads La Liga history in both of those categories. Like I am okay with a center back, just fucking shit up on the field. And sometimes they're going to get carded, but uh, fine. Fine. Are you if, okay? The Argentina Brazil thing. If we're not going to talk about it, we, um, we kind of, kind of should probably bring it. Like if you don't think that Cudi Romero has thought about, Absolutely walloping Richarlison all summer long. <laughs> of course. Well, Todd, that kind of goes to my point just about saying. like yeah, that kind of goes to my point about Richarlison getting up and just kind of being like, okay, that happened. Like I that that's what shocked me about the whole situation, and that's why I really think like, damn, if 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 a guy like that who has has been a good player and been a good player for Everton, if a guy like that's not getting up and fighting for his badge, like what? What the fuck is Everton right now? Well, Everton at the moment, I think, are just a collection of players that don't seem to know what they're doing with each other on yeah. the pitch, <laughs> like how they got to be there. Um, it's it's kind of interesting to me that they brought Lampard on as manager because 
he was just in a very similar situation at Chelsea where, you know, this, you know, a large amount of funds brought together this team of players who are, you know, all good to great level players individually, but don't necessarily mesh together as a team. So I, I was not surprised to see that they looked completely just out of tune with each other. There didn't see, if there was a plan, I couldn't tell what it was. You know, so often they were out of formation and just leaving gaping holes all over the pitch. So I, I, I kind of pity Everton, <laughs> to be honest. I, I think it's a really good point, Caroline. And, and it, it, you know, like, like we mentioned earlier, not an Everton pod, but it is wild to think about the fact that they have been playing top flight football since the 1954-55 season and are in a hell of a, they're, they're still, they're still clear of the relegation zone. Let's be clear, but. They are in a hell of a battle right now, um, and it doesn't doesn't look pretty for them right now. I mean that that that's a team that, my goodness. I mean there are there are many many moving parts and not a lot of them moving in the right direction, um, unfortunately for them. But I, it, it is it is weird for me too because I feel like up until let's call it I don't know what six seven eight nine years ago, Everton are a are a club that would kind of in some circles be be comparable to spurs like you know i I don't think we we like to almost think about it in that way as spurs fans we like to think of ourselves as a level above but i think if we're if we're taking a dose of of reality juice i think that's kind of the case and it's it's wild to see the fact that spurs look not everything is 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 rosy at spurs let's let's not um you know let's not put lipstick on on the pig but they are way fucking better than they are at Everton right now. And Everton are trying to build a new stadium like Spurs have done. It's like, it's almost like Everton are like five, six years behind Spurs in development, but like 15 to 20 years behind in what we're seeing on the pitch is And, and it's just, Ooh, man, it, it watching what happened on the pitch today, get, like it, it was an eye into the soul of that club. And, it, and that's not, that's not good for Evertonians. Dude, you make a great point about us being comparable to Everton and Villa in some sense. Villa, I think, has maybe fared a little bit better, but we are we are you know needless spending away from being in the same situation as them. And you guys heard me say talk about this in, in the chat this afternoon or whatever. I think Everton is a great example, you know, for the Enoch out crowd. To, to reconsider some things, their entire lineup was purchased in the past three seasons. Like, I've, bar Seamus Coleman and Jordan Pickford, right? I'm Holgate, Keane was probably four or five seasons ago, maybe. The Corey, Allen, Van de Beek, don't even know who Kenny is. Calvert Lewin, Richarlson, I don't know when Calvert Lewin got there, but majority of these guys weren't hacking it elsewhere. You know, look pretty on paper. DeCorey got his team relegated, for God's sakes, and everybody wanted Enoch to buy him, you know? Like, it's just a prime example of what happens when you get to a certain point and then don't play your cards very carefully. And Enoch kind of did that with the bail money and learned their lesson, right? But um, I feel like I'm putting Todd through distress right now. Yeah, I think you are too. Yeah. Well, it's because we're (laughs) – 
we're 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 trying to sew some things together that I don't necessarily that's that narrative doesn't necessarily stick for me. Listen, they're missing Todd, a lot of Todd, their key I, I agree with you. They're missing and- a lot of their key players, Andrew. And so we're talking about how shit they are, and you're right, and we're talking about how bad they look, and they did. But no Yuri Mina, no Tom Davies, no Fabian Delph, no Damari Gray. Like I'm just saying, I'm just saying that like those names don't don't strike fear in the hearts of anybody else. But what they do is they help that Evertonian team play more cohesively and they didn't and 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 that's and and that's to caroline's point like like right now they're a collection of guys not a collection that makes a team and And i feel like tom davies maybe some of those and scott you probably all agree with you but like who else that you listed yuri mina and then possibly damari gray which i don't depend on damari gray for anything but he's new yeah damari gray is new guy but, they all suck. They suck. But Scott, it's interesting. You know, the other the other team you threw out there that's interesting to me is Aston Villa, and they're a team that had to go down in order to to kind of yeah. bounce their way back up. Maybe that's what it's going to take for a team like Everton. But when I'm comparing levels here, it's just it, you know, I'm I'm saying eight nine years ago we would have said Spurs and Everton were about on the same level, and now no one would think that. Like that's not yeah. even it's not even remotely close. So and and Villa, I think. I, I get what you're saying as an example, but they they had to go down in order to to yo-yo back up and and get into a place where, you know, you would think they're on fairly stable ground now. Um, you know. Well, no, but I, I'm saying like we could have had to do that had we not played our cards correctly. Is what I'm saying. Like we yeah. may have had to be in a situation to go down and rebuild our shit because when you finally get to like playing with the big boys, it's like, all right, little kid, come to the big table, you little shit, like. That's kind of where we all were, yeah. and we didn't fuck around, and they did, right? Like, thank you, Levy. Like, everything fucked around, and they went and bought everybody that Twitter wanted. Like, seriously, if a Spurs fan wanted that player, everything would fucking buy them the next day. Well, the, the other, the other thing is, is they got rid of Lucas Dinge, who, in my opinion, was their best player midseason for no apparent fucking reason. That, that was a weird. But good for him getting out. Oh, hundred percent, and he's playing <laughs> extremely well for Villa. So good, exactly. So, all right. Well, listen, like I said, not an Everton pod, but we just did like eight minutes on Everton. Um, but there is an Everton connection, obviously, that, and I don't even think his name has been brought up. But Deli Alley made his return to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium today. He came on in a substitute, substitute role. Um, I don't really know what there's to say that hasn't been said about Deli Alley on this podcast after he departed, you know, a little over a month ago. But cool to see really cool to see the fans embrace as 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 we all knew that they would i mean it's not like he left on on bad terms or or or, you know trashed anyone on the way out um but it was cool to hear the fans singing his name again and and see him acknowledge it and see after a match that was not even competitive see the the current tottenham players including the captain hugo Lloris, go over and rush him over to the, to the South stand to, to be acknowledged. I just thought, wow, what a, what a cool little send off for that guy. Um, after he didn't really truly get one, even though we all kind of knew it was coming, uh, about a month and a half ago. Yeah, it was really, really, really nice, which I, I, I think knowing our fans and knowing how much they love Delhi alley, this is what we expected and what we hoped to see and hear from our crowd today. So, um, Props to everyone who's in that stadium, which sounded pretty full for a Monday evening match. So um, for all of us who can't get to matches regularly, thank you for going to these ones that are tough to get to anyway. 
um, and being out in full voice and uh, giving Delhi the return to New White Hart Lane that he deserves. So he's a great servant to the club. I think um, the era that he kind of came up in, I think a lot of Spurs fans grew with Delhi and seeing Delhi go for, uh, you know, a group of fans was, you know, ju- just as heart wrenching as Erickson leaving or Bale leaving or, or, or whatever, you know, there's a group of, of people who Delhi Alley is the reason they root for Spurs. Um, you know, I think Caroline and I are kind of in that same, same sort of boat. So um, we'll always love Delhi. And it, it, I think that's, that was uh, made apparent by the crowd today. So really awesome stuff to see and hear. And I'm glad he didn't score a banger against us. So. <laughs> yeah, it was just a little bit of a bummer that he didn't get uh, more time from Lampard to, I don't know. It would have been nice just to see him like not score, obviously, but have at least a, a good performance. And he, he didn't get much do time. Do something so. cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think something. Yeah, do something. I think it's really it's I'm not trust me, when I say what I'm about to say, I am not trying to pile on the guy, but it is it says a lot that he can't get into that team as bad as they are okay. right now. But like, we're just time, we're just taking shots at I, my guy right now. I just now, don't think please. Lampard knows what he's doing. That's my personal <laughs> Well, that's that's been that's been evident for quite quite a few years, trust me. That's a very good point, Caroline. Uh Look, guys, I, I don't know what else there's to say about this. It's uh, another step in the road to top four, um, something that is still very much on the table and um, something that we're going to have to really dive into. Before we do that, uh, because we are all in the U.S. of A. and recording this on Monday evening, it is the middle of the night over in the U.K., and our good friend Shuban uh, wanted to have his say, so he sent in uh, just a few minutes on the game today and his thoughts. Uh, so we're going to give Shuban the, the leeway right now. Uh, here's Shuban's thoughts on the game against Everton. While Kane will rightly get plaudits for tonight, I would like to um, basically draw eyes to some players who kind of fell below the radar. Um, the first player... I'll give Claude to is uh, Benson Core. He is so elegant with the ball. He's someone I call Rodders. Um, you know, just YouTube only fours and horses. He's, you know, one of the best sitcoms ever come out of this country. He's, um, you know, he's very calm under pressure. He seems to just be so laid back and he's got great feet. And I think the advantage he has over Winks is that he's just a lot bigger. I mean, six foot two, six foot three. And he just looks a lot more at home in the Premier League at you know when being pressed and Wings set for them. I don't think Wings has that physicality. So that so definitely, you know, glad he's back. Um Cess, you know, he was absolutely superb tonight. He gave it his all. I thought he was unlucky to um you know get injured. Um, he did look a little bit tender. I thought, oh my God, is it precautionary? And then obviously they brought him off. I'm hoping it's precautionary because they did this big thing about, always. Oh, you know, he's had five consecutive games for, you know, for Spurs. And clearly, you know, sort of Sky on their broadcast. And as he says, there is an agenda against Spurs. Um, so yeah, that's something that, you know, uh, as I says, um, Doherty, three assists. 
I mean, what the, what the, do you mean, holy hell, do you mean, he's, um, you know, is it because everything was so bad? Yes. But if you notice, he wasn't trying to get to the byline and, put, and cross. He was making his crosses from more infield. So maybe that's where, you know, he's crossing us to be. I definitely think him and Kuliszewski are forming a really good partnership. Better than the one that him and Lucas have. So I don't know whether that's helped or not. But again, the caveat that it well, it was Everton and Everton were really... Apart from the first 10 minutes, they were bright, they had energy. Then suddenly they just... I think that first goal went in, that was it. Their confidence just shot. I think if there's two teams... If there are two confidence teams... Well, I think we're definitely one of them, and Everton definitely seems to be like the other because they just had nothing left. They just, you just felt that they they'd given up. So yeah, um, and aside from that, no, I mean, I mean, obviously, everyone else played. I thought it was very solid, but for me, Bentoncourt and Sess, who won't get as many plots. I mean, obviously, Kozjewski, you know, two assists. I like his physicality, and I do think, which I've said to Harry Brooks, is that. Believe once he gets this, you know, used to the Premier League, and he actually has a pre-season, a full pre-season, under, you know, Conte. Assuming he's still here in the summer, I really, really think he is going to be able to, um, for one of a better term, I just think, you know, really get the extra yard of pace in his head. What we call the Teddy Sheringham pace. Teddy Sheringham was actually on Sky Sports. And though he wasn't the quickest, he had an extra two or three yards in his head and he's just read the game really, really well. And with the amount of like, you know, video analysis that they do nowadays, the amount of tactical work, I really think that someone like Gulaszewski will benefit probably the most from having Conte as his manager. Not from the physical perspective, just from the fact of the technical, tactical perspective kind of thing. So yeah, um, that's it. Um, I want to say to everyone, please stay safe and take care of yourself and one another. And obviously, you know, thoughts are with, you know, not just the, you know, not just you know, Ukraine under attack, but those in Yemen also under attack. So yeah, um, and also those, you know, you know, Uyghurs in China, Rohingya in Burma, yeah. There are some, you know, there are some not so nice people out there, but I take heart that there are that there are some really good people out there as well, and at least three or four of them will be on the pod tonight. So enjoy the Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on, you Spurs! Welcome back into the Tottenham Depot. Thanks again to Shuban for his thoughts on the Spurs' comprehensive victory over Everton. It's literally the only word that I can come up with. Uh, to describe that win. I mean, it just, and it felt over really early on. Um, one thing we didn't mention earlier was uh, that Harry Kane's brace passes uh, him, uh, passes him over Thierry Henry for sixth all time in Premier League goals, which um, is, we know a list that means a lot to him and something that's really cool. So uh, just wanted to get that mention in. Uh, well, not, you know, really big deal. I want to take one second here to say, um, fuck that lot down the road and your striker could never. And now, now that that's said, um, 
He's getting 20 goals this season. I just want you to know it. I've been saying it all year long. He's getting 20 goals in the league this season. I just want I just want it to be reiterated. Yeah. Spicy you, like it, that. I'm telling you, son. It, if if and when he does, he'll end the season number three on that list. Only behind Wayne Rooney with 208 and and obviously Alan Shearer with 260. Um, if he scores 20 goals, that's nine more, right? He's got eleven. Uh, no, Andy. Andy Cole. Andy Cole's at one eighty-seven. So, so if he scores yeah. twenty, he'd be he'd be right in there. Yeah. If he's got nine, he'll be he'll be tied right there. So, yeah. Uh, you know that if if Kane plays in in the Premier League, that uh, that number one spot is more than doable. So you're saying he's going to get eleven goals in his next twelve games? You heard it. Because because he's on because he's on nine now is that that's no no that's, no he's on ten he's on ten Premier League oh, goals t- it was t- today was nine and ten I so thought, he's I, on he's on ten Premier League goals and in the next twelve matches Harry Kane scores ten, 10 goals Dude, heard it honestly though Kane if he if he goes and gets that record I will argue until I'm fucking blue in the face that that's so much more significant than a Premier League title and like. On and on about like, as a Spurs fan, that's a cop out. Blah blah blah. I don't care. Like, it's the greatest league in the fucking world. And if you go and beat Shearer's record, nobody's gonna beat your record for decades and decades and decades. Like, you will stand as the greatest goal scorer of all time for decades if you go and break that record. And you know what? If I'm Harry Kane and I and I hang my boots up and I say, you know. My team fucked around and got close a couple times, but I leave the game as the greatest goal scorer to have ever played the game. I can fucking live with that, right? So um, I don't know, man. There's a there, there's every reason to think Kane ain't going anywhere now, right? We all know that, and um, it just I, I think I bring this rant is only brought up to say what a cool thing that happened today. Yes, we beat Everton five nil, but him passing Henri is such a significant milestone. And all bias and banter aside, Tierra Henry is a great fucking guy who is one of the greatest to ever play the game. So hats off to Harry Kane beating, beating you know, the, the tally set by Tierra Henry because that is a significant thing to have done. Well, and he's going to pass the man that, that he that he embarrassed today, Frank Lampard, soon. Um, you know, it's funny. You bring up Alan Shearer and if he, and if he passes. That Alan Shearer number is – it's almost comparable to like the Wayne Gretzky goals mark in, in yeah, the NHL. Yeah, crazy. Like it's that far ahead of everyone else. Um, and not to bring this to around another team that I I root for, but like Alex Ovechkin of the Washington Capitals is going after that number, and it's kind of like yeah. it's almost a similar comparable thing to where like it's a number that no one really thinks is reachable, but but it might actually be reachable because he's so far out there. Um, it's. <laughs> You know, 20 goals a season for 13 seasons is what you need to average to play around with that number. It's fucking insane, right? You see, yeah. It's, it's insane. It's it's bonkers. How? And it, and it, and it's a, well, it's a testament to, you know, you think about the fact that his ankles haven't always held up either, and he's still been able to get there. Like, you know, hopefully they can for, for, for even it's, longer. I really want to know what Caroline thinks on this. For me, it's his precision. I think that he is one of the most precise finishers that I've ever seen in the game. It's it's wild to me. Like that goal that he slipped past Pickford today, the <clears throat> distance off the ground that it had to be and the pace that it was to the side that it was, it had to be 
precise, and it was nothing but. Uh, I'm I'm curious. Have you seen anybody more precise than that, or what is it about Kane that that makes him so? Uh, I don't know. Dangerous. I think you're right to call out his impeccable technique, but I also think it's just his versatility. Like he he scores a variety of goals. He's not doing just one kind of thing, you know. Uh, like y'all know, my other main team is Bayern Munich, and I'm a huge Lewandowski fan. Um, I know. <laughs> Forgive me for bringing him up, but my my point in saying that is that you know he just broke a pretty incredible record last season. Um, of most goals in a Bundesliga season that had been, I think it was like 49 years since it had been set by Gerd Müller. So, you know, it, it does take, I think, consistency, the technique, the versatility to even think about approaching that high of a level. And I, I do think I slightly give Kane the edge of being the best striker in the world, just because, like I said, he, he can do so many things that other strikers just aren't doing. You know, it's like every every top striker kind of has their niche and he just consistently surprises us in new ways. Yeah, I also well, all really well said. And I also think it's worth saying that Kane's kind of like he's kind of the last of of a type of player, too. Like you even heard his interview after the game where he said, you know, a huge part of my success is and I'm totally paraphrasing. Right. I'm not doing the quote justice at all, but a huge part of, you know, my goal scoring success is keeping the ball low and being really focused on the bottom corners rather than the top. And it's just kind of the way that I learned the game is what he said. Like he learned the game, the old school way to be played right and technical. And, you know, there's logic behind the things that he's doing, but he is just, he is just a straight goal scorer. And I, I almost said poacher, but it's, that'd be so inaccurate. Like, because he is he is like the most well-rounded, versatile football player in the world, but he is just a pure finisher too. And when you get that guy around the box, like he doesn't ever need to even put his eyes on goal, period, to be able to put the ball exactly where he wants it to go. And that's why he's so good. It's not like and that's just all time in the gym, right? Like if if you really want to get down to it, and that's what makes the guy such a special player, in my opinion. Yeah, it, his it's the it's the versatility. Goal. You're right. Yeah, his second goal sums up everything you just said, Scott. That volley over the shoulder, weak foot, I think. Yeah, into the far bottom corner from a tight angle. The you same know? goal that he scored in the last match. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I think there's probably a handful of players in the world that score that goal. Mm-hmm. And he did it two weeks on the two games on the bounce. Yeah. Well, and I think that his his uh, his variety of types of goals that he's able to score comes from his versatility because, and we've joked about this, but it's not even really a joke anymore. He's the team's best number 10 and number nine. And the fact that he's able to drop and create as well as score from from other people's assists, mainly Hyungman's sons, obviously, I think that's what makes him so versatile. And look, Caroline, I don't, I don't watch as much Bayern Munich as you do, but... I don't from the highlights I see of, of Lewandowski, I, I don't see him scoring the variety of goals that, that Harry Kane will over his career. I mean, we've seen Harry Kane score with his head, with his left, with his right. We've we've seen him score outside footers, we've seen him score from his ass. I mean, he's he's literally fallen on his ass and still been able to, to put a ball put a ball on frame and, and in the back of the net. 
um, the guy can can put them in from from any which way, and it, it's it's what makes him so fun to watch. That one yeah. was against Casper Schmeichel. So well, true. <laughs> does God, it, right it does it only count yeah. as half a goal if it's against Schmeichel? Like, Absolutely know. not. No, no, no. You don't get to no, 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 no. <laughs> Just because he 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 lets him out and he he gets to go and put on his little gloves and play play little goalkeeper before he goes back into Harry's basement. It's a different conversation for a different day. I don't even know. I don't even know how to make. You know, Scott. Scott applauded me on my transitions earlier. I don't even know how to do it <laughs> anymore. But uh, Casper Schmeichel knows his place. God bless. Uh, God bless this podcast for for making me uh, try to transition here. Uh, Caroline, Tottenham Hotspur women were back in action this weekend. <laughs> um, can you tell <laughs> us? Can you tell us about how that went? Because it didn't go uh, quite as well as it could have, right? Yeah, before I even get into the game, I just want to first shout out Ashley Neville. Um, I think since we last recorded, um, it came out that she had won WSL Player of the Month for February. She's the first Spurs women player to ever win that award. So that's absolutely huge and well-deserved for the incredible form that she's been in and just what she means to the team as a player. So really thrilled for her. Jessica Naz also won... um, young footballer at the London awards, which I don't think are as big a deal, but still cool. Um, but yeah, so we, we went away to Reading and it ended in a scoreless draw, which I was a little surprised by. Um, it was one of those games where we definitely, we had control of the game. Um, and we had the majority of the, the best chances, it was just a matter of finishing on the day, which I know we get tired of hearing about that, especially uh, with the women's team. That's been, you know, an old issue that we we thought we were starting to take care of. But I, I do think that we actually played a really good game. So I wasn't particularly, you know, devastated about the results. Um, we still we're getting into good positions. Our playmaking has improved so much. I think Sumanen has been a big part of that uh, in the midfield. You know, she's been playing incredible and she actually got a few um, chances herself to score, including the very last shot of the game, which would have been an incredible ending if it had gone in. But uh, Ashley Neville, just going back to her, she has been playing in a more advanced role in the last few games. Uh, She was playing at right wing today. And I really think that this position suits her very well. Um, you know, she she's a very versatile player, too, um, kind of like Kane. Uh, and I was just glad to see that she's still in good form and, you know, carrying on that progress. My one downside of the match was that Kaya Simon, I think, is not playing in a position that's as suited to her abilities right now. Um, She was playing at left wing today, I think partially because Jessica Naz was not in the squad. And I'm not sure why, because we never get an injury report. But uh, she, I just don't think it suits her, her specific skill set. I think she's a lot better as sort of a, a poacher in the box, you know, playing in that like traditional striker role. And the striker that we did have was Rachel Williams, and she had a few good opportunities um, for headed goals that didn't quite make it. But, you know, I might like to see see a little bit of a tweak in the lineup for the next match, um, which is going to be, let me see. City. 
City. Yes, that's right. How could I forget? Um, so we've got a big match against City, who uh, y'all will recall we had a shocking upset win against on the second match day of the season at the at their stadium, um, thanks to a sort of hand of God moment. <laughs> so, um, and actually, on that note, they are talking about bringing a sort of VAR light into the WSL, not next season. I don't think the next one, but that'll be something to, to keep an eye on. <laughs> if there's one thing you always want, it's to get replay, but just a little bit of replay. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's, not, let's, let's not do it comprehensively. Let's just do it a little bit. I, yeah. I, I have a lot of questions about how it's oh, going to work. <laughs> so uh, hopefully we can bounce back. I mean, it's going to be a tough game. They're in really good form because they just, um, won the league cup final against Chelsea women. Yep. So it's going to be a tough one. Well, that game is uh Sunday, uh, Sunday morning, uh, seven 30 Eastern, I believe, or is that eight 30 Eastern? Does the, does the time change this coming weekend? I'm in Arizona. so I don't know this. I think it does, On but Sunday, I'm bad with, yes. with that time change. Yeah, see, uh, we're gonna spring forward on Sunday here in Arizona. I don't, uh, I don't deal with any of that crap. So uh, I'll be, I'll be back in line with you, West Coasters, come, uh, come Sunday. But um, women play on Sunday. The men play on Saturday again this week, uh, and it's a little trip to Old Trafford. No big deal, right? I mean, that's all. Just, a, just a little trip to go play Manchester United, who uh, you know are just a, a simple little two points ahead of Spurs. <laughs> No big deal, right? Uh, Dakota, how are you feeling about this one? Well, last time we were there, we walked away with six goals and three points. So let's do it again, question mark? I would take half the goals and all the points. I mean, that, that'd be fine by me. I would take a sixth of the goals and all the points. Yeah, fair, fair, fair point. <laughs> uh, yeah, right now, uh, Spurs with two games in hand on United and West Ham. They're level on points with West Ham, uh, two back of United. It's Arsenal, though, that we're, we're still chasing. And, and Arsenal are now, we're to the point, their strategy to you know avoid playing Spurs at all costs has, has benefited them because they are now actually with a game in hand on Spurs and three points ahead. So they are the, you know, they are the, the target right now. They, are, they have the target on their back. However, they still have to go to Chelsea, Liverpool, us, and I think maybe City as well. They also still have to play Leeds and Newcastle and South. Yeah, they're fucked. They're fucked. So, yeah, it's yeah. They're I'm also not, in, they're also in very good form. I right, against. Right, it's fine. They've been playing it, Watford. Right in time. Fine. Right in time for them to for that to change. And, and you know what? Honest to goodness, fuck them. Like, <laughs> Nobody fucking say do Burnley. Don't, hey. don't say they have to play Burnley. Hey, can't, you don't can't co- you, you don't go anywhere else for that kind of analysis. Let me tell you that. That's right what I'm now. saying. You come right here. You come right here. Come right yeah. here for that. Honestly, though, fuck them. That's that's that's, that's right. the that's the kind of quality uh, uh, punditry that you're going to get on the Tottenham Depot. It's fanditry. We've had this conversation, and I, and I take it seriously, sir. I, uh, I appreciate it. And, and and no, here's the truth, Andrew. The the team. I'm not worried about them. I'm not worried about them at all. And the reason why I say that is because even if I was, there's nothing we can fucking do about it. Right. Teams, the teams that I'm worried about are Manchester United because we have to come and play them next. Yep. And I'm worried about whether or not Edison Cavani and Ronaldo are going to be fit to play us because Ronnie loves to bang in a fucking goal to break my heart. 
Um, and so I just don't want to deal with that so much. They're not exactly um, running on all, you know, hitting on all cylinders under Ragnick or whatever Ralph's name is, right? Is that is that his? Is that his? I think my dad. Thor, I think <laughs> my Thor dad Ragnarok. likes to call him Ragnarok. Yeah, Thor Ragnarok is up up in charge at Old Trafford. Ragnarok, Dakota, what do you got at S? Uh, Ragnick, I believe. Thanks, sir. Um, yeah, they look pretty trash. And so I think it's a great opportunity for us to go and play them, to be honest with you. They don't look particularly good. They don't look good in attack. They've got Harry Maguire as the captain of their team. And he's, he, I don't know. I saw something on Instagram, Andrew, the other day about a United fan critiquing his performance. And, and I felt bad for that fan. That's how bad Harry Maguire is at football. And I'm just really looking forward to uh to seeing what a high-flying Antonio Conte movement focused Tottenham Hotspur can do at Old Trafford. It it seems to set up nicely because you know that United want to have the ball. I mean, similar to how Everton wanted to have the ball today, it's just Everton are trash. Um and United are are decidedly less trash than Everton, but they can be trash if you hit them on the counter. Like it's just like what what Spurs were able to do against City a few weeks ago. It's just you know United also aren't City. Um, it's it, you know United are not going to Burnley us. Like that's what I'm trying to say. I think I'm just doing it in too many words, uh, which fair. which gives me the slightest bit of confidence going up there and trying to get a result. And uh, you know that's honestly. If you're going to get to top four, this is a result you have to have. Uh, this one, the one against West Ham, and obviously the one against Arsenal are the ones you have to have, and then you've got to obviously not fall on your face in the other ones, but these these quote-unquote six-pointers, as they call them, which is the the cheesiest uh, you know cheesiest line, I think, in all of, of, of soccer, um, th- this really this proves to be the case when you're when – you're, chasing top four you've got to actually compete with the the teams that are also chasing top four is it actually more than six points though because this would be one of our games in hand so you could you could make some sort of a calculation as to adding more weighted value to these games you know i've been doing this podcast now for uh like a little over an hour and i don't i'm the math thing is not um well don't worry, I'm going to save you, Andrew, because for, for those of you listening at home, Caroline's face told me, no, you can't do that. So we're good. <laughs> All right, fair enough. We'll go with that then. Uh, look, we're going to be back with you next weekend to talk about all this stuff. Um, it's it, um, it's intense. I'm excited. This should be a fun, a fun weekend coming up. Uh, it was a fun day today to talk Tottenham Hotspur 5, Everton 0, uh, and more importantly, Telly Alley 0. Because uh, goodness, that would have been that would have been something, right? Uh, you could follow Caroline at CG Stefco, follow Scott at DSM Spurs, follow Dakota at Dakota J Booth, follow Todd at TC underscore Kashow, follow me at a Stetka. Uh, more importantly, follow the podcast at Tottenham Depot, uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and leave us a rating and a review because we deserve it. Because we we come here on a Monday evening and podcast for you. Uh, and drop this into your feed so that uh, you can, you know, have something to listen to throughout the week leading up to uh, leading up to next week. That's what we do here at the Tottenham Depot uh, until next weekend when we talk Spurs United and much, much more. This has been the Tottenham Depot podcast as always. Come on, you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. 
Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>